You're listening to Resident Advisors Exchange, where we meet the creators shaping the electronic music landscape. I'm Martha, thank you for being with us and welcome to another Critics Roundtable. So myself and two wonderful guests will be sharing our musical finds from the past few months. Let me introduce you to who we'll be hearing from today. So we have Naishka. Hello. Hello, hello. What an honour to be here. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. And also Vivian, hi. Uh, hi, Martha, lovely to see you. <laughs> hi, Naishka, lovely to see you also. <laughs> So Naishka, our listeners are hearing your voice for the very first time here on the podcast, which is very exciting. Um, perhaps you could tell us a bit about where you are at the moment, and then we could maybe talk about something that you've recently written on RA that our listeners may have encountered. Hey, Martha, this is, you know, I've been listening to the Critics Roundtable for years, so it's quite a trip for me <laughs> to be actually on here. Um, I started writing for RA, I want to say back in 2019, and recently I'm working more closely with them. I generally do some features, a little bit of news, some reviews here and there. Um, I have been mostly based in Singapore and Malaysia for like the past eight-ish years, but got stuck in Canada during lockdown. Um, RA has me mostly doing a lot of shorter news stories these days, but there was one thing I did recently that was uh, kind of grabbed my attention, which was about the festival economy, right? We're at this point where a lot of festivals around the UK and Europe are kind of bracing to go ahead this year in whatever kind of form, whether it's a downsized form or even a mini festival, but it's such a state of uncertainty, right? I mean, mm -hmm. talk about risky business. Mm -hmm. <laughs> People are trying to be safe, but it's hard trying to plan these, you know, massive events, whether it's 500 people or a thousand people without any kind of cancellation insurance. So that was a really fun one to dive into. Mm, that's a juicy one to work on. So when you approach something like that, what, what do you do? Where do you go for your info? I started out reaching to a bunch of festival organizers um, in Germany, in the UK. There's been a lot of confirmed names out there. So I started, started with that. But mm. Actually, the most interesting part of the story was talking to the behind the scenes players, right? The lighting guys, the sound system suppliers, um, the F&B vendors. We actually, we forget to focus so much on these smaller cogs in the greater festival economy because they never get as much attention as they should. And these guys are particularly suffering because let's say, you know, let's say if it's all clear for festivals to go ahead, a lot of these production teams have scaled back their teams. They've scaled back their capacity because they haven't been working, you know, for across 2020. So they might not even be able to meet all the demand that's about to pop up, you know, in a couple of months. Um, they're running on limited manpower. Mm. So it raises a big question of whether the supply chain can handle all of this demand and it's given that a lot of governments, especially in Germany, Italy, and France, you know, they're all experiencing some kind of lockdown. It's such a confusing period for them. And, mm -hmm. and then we also have the side development of, even if festivals do happen, ticket prices are bound to shoot up, right? Because we have all of the COVID hygiene costs involved, all of these upfront investments that festivals have to make, which let's face it, is probably gonna be passed down to the consumer. Mm -hmm. Well, that is um, 
quite a juicy one to be reporting on um, and super interesting to hear about how you kind of go about it. Um, Vivian, Hello. so the RA family will already know that you used to work here, you don't work yes. here anymore um, because you're now fully immersed in your music. <laughs> Do you want to tell everyone a bit about um, what you used to do at RA and then also all about your music? Of course. Yeah. So um, when I was working at RA, I was an editorial assistant. Um, so I wrote reviews here and there. I just like sort of worked with a lot alongside of staff writers just to get things delivered and work and brought on quite a lot of um, new staff writers so that, to sort of broaden our genre coverage and stuff like that. I also worked on the re-record feature on 120 Black artists that we should have covered, that we didn't cover. Um, um, and it was by no means an exhaustive list, but we tried um, just before, because obviously going forward, we want there, we wanted there to be a change, but we were like, we can't just act like we didn't make a fuck up, realistically, like mm -hmm. an editorial part where it's like, well, there's some history which we need to, set straight before we keep keep going um so yeah I worked on that um before I left <laughs> to, um and I I'm a producer I yeah produce my own tracks I'm also an actor um so I'm yeah just working on my own creative endeavors right now and I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna leave it at that. I, there'll, there'll be more, more to be, more to be seen in the future. But yeah, um, I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> Actually, do you know what? One thing that I was just thinking is this you? Um, mm. I was listening to MIC, like a an older mm. release of by the artist MIC, and I was like, yeah. is that you? Absolutely, is that's you? me. Yeah, the the intro on the track, um, is mm. it called Virgil? I think yeah. yeah, like that. That was me. Um, that's when I my artist name was Trinity. It has now changed to another name. Um, but <laughs> but um, I've, I've decided that I'll let the music introduce who I am. Um, but um, yeah, that was me. That was me. I you know I'm super passionate about grime and like the grime scene and like the genres electronic genres that are like predominantly black and therefore often looked over or like undercovered um for a number of reasons and that was a particular passion project of mine when I came to mm. RA making sure that we were in touch with those communities because it's something that I, I grew up in North London I've lived in London my whole life um I have two older brothers I've like seen grime my whole life you know so um yeah, and sonically, I think it's such a beautiful genre and is reflected in a lot of the music that I'm going to um, talk about today, I think actually has quite grimy elements, even though it's so far from grime. So mm -hmm. yeah, um, yeah, it's not a little grime spiel, but yeah, <laughs> that, that was I me love to it. answer your question. Yeah, well, that particular project and that particular track is like, takes ambient elements and grime bits and then your voice was on it I was like, well, yeah. that is such a good song <laughs> thank you <laughs> Vivian you have to tell us where we can find your music mm -hmm. I do you know what I, my, this is the thing none of it's out yet so I DJ <gasps> my music name but um none of it's out yet but it's but it's coming soon but I'm gonna just let the I'm gonna let the music do and maybe maybe one day everyone will connect the dots but I feel like yeah I like to leave which this is a clue in itself. I like to leave Easter eggs around. 
um yeah i like to leave easter eggs around and if you want to connect the dots you can connect the dots and if you never connect the dots that's also fine but yeah when it comes out (laughs) hopefully you'll find it amazing yeah. Watch me go on a massive Easter hunt. Right. Right <laughs> go I'm out Easter here. <laughs> I'll be connecting the dots, Vivian. The dots. I'm watching. Oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> we love a bit of mystery to start off the episode. The episode, right? <laughs> so now that you've met my lovely guests, I have asked everyone to have a think about their listening habits over the past few weeks. And we are all going to be sharing an album an artist and a little something extra anything at all from the world of sort of electronic music that we are really hyped about um so let's dive into albums first shall we so Naishka what album from the past two months have you been loving you know when I started doing reviews for RA it's um it's quite um I call it like a mudslide right you're flooded with so much good new music and it's really hard sometimes to uh, when you're listening to so much to really think about what stands out but this one was was pretty easy for me um there's a label based out of uk called phantom limb and they run this very neat compilation series called imaginal soundtracking so basically they invite different artists from different backgrounds different styles to rescore forgotten films and when i say forgotten films they're really digging into the vaults no i haven't recognized any of these titles (laughs) So essentially what the practice is, is that artists start out with the same source material, aka like the the film's main theme song, but they end up with entirely different, you know, compositions that that are based on their respective moods, that are based on their respective genres. So in April, the label put out their latest installment of the series, and they picked a 1972 puppet animation film called The Demon. And get this, it's directed by a Japanese master puppeteer. So this is this is a straight up horror film. I'm not gonna divulge the plot in case anyone listening wants to watch. <laughs> but everyone should watch it. Essentially, it's you know, it's a tale of suffering, of love, um, and it's it's super scary. It gave me the chills. So for the album, um, the compilation, they picked various producers of Asian heritage. Um, so there's about four or five of them. And what I really love about this album is that each track plays around with the film's themes in such different ways, right? In such different ways that are such that are so unique to the artist. So one of the guys featured is a Japanese footwork producer, Foodman. And usually Foodman is all about the high tempo, high energy. But here he he kind of goes for deconstructed glitch, percussion. It's super minimal, right? Which is such a change in style for him. But these are sounds that you know when they're sped up, it would actually fit into his his usual repertoire. Then you have um, you have the South Asian American musician Ami Dang, who normally she normally makes you know ambient-ish music. She has her sitar and her collection of synths. But on this track, she goes for a really like haunting, very contemplative melody that kind of still stays true to her overall. She usually focuses on exploring folklore. So this, you know, this very much fits into her style. It's just such a great exercise, I think, for musicians to adapt their compositions to film narratives. So really looking forward to see what the next film, Phantom Limb picks. Highly recommended for anyone interested in like experimental sound- soundscapes, or if you just straight up want to listen to this album in the dark, I dare you. 
<laughs> that sounds so cool. Yeah, I love the concept of that. It's really cool. Vivian, which record would you like to share with us? I feel like mine is a lot less uh, overtly conceptual, but um, <laughs> it's just, I'm like a huge Smurfs fan. I have been since like I ever heard them, like I came across some of their, um, I love their NTS show. I've like just come across some like live session-y type things that they've done. And I just thought they were really cool. Like I just loved the idea of like these, these two women like making this like, like, really they have like really beautiful voices but their production has so much grit to it but it's also just it's all just like super ethereal because it, it, their music completely exists in like the space that they've carved out for it and like nothing else lives there apart from their music and I love that and so their latest full and their first full-length release um Believer I just think there's a lot of like beautiful neoclassical music happening right now like I think I, I I almost think like earthy so kind of twigs fits into that Klein fits into that in like all of their own ways but this is another another project which fits into that and it's kind of like pop slash electronic slash cast classical music which isn't like uh which is kind of unafraid to deform and like challenge more technical structural approaches to making music and it's like you can tell that these two women absolutely like know that like they I feel like they both have technical backings when it comes to music they because of the influences are so like the sounds of the influence is so rich like there's chamber there's opera there's folk and it seems like this is stuff that's embedded into their musical psyche probably what they've come up with but then the way that they distort it and change it and use elements of it but then like infuse it with pop and infuse it with like club is just mad and yeah I really really loved the album and I feel like um I think sonically it's like quite a whirlwind because each track is like a tiny little like bite-sized motif of something that they just wanted you to see and it's like oh but like and so it can feel like yeah a bit of a whirlwind but then there's so much emotionality in every single song that it still does feel super super grounded and um yeah I just I really I think my favorite songs are Believer because I feel like in one track it encapsulates the entire journey of the album sonically and I also love like um I don't talk about it that much because it's like this it's it's like I don't even know how to describe it. Just listen to it. I hate. I. I. Someone who talks about music. I. I honestly hate describing music I hear because you. I'm just like words. Yeah. You know what I mean? It feels like words are disrespectful because music is just like such a meta concept. Like I'm like I can try and attach words to what I'm hearing right now, but it's so beyond that. So yeah, just listen to it. I know. I'm also not as eloquent as. Uh, oh, you absolutely <laughs> are. This is why I love radio because you can just be like, "Hey, I really like this." 
play. Play, yeah. <laughs> the listener gets to take it for themselves. But there is also something really beautiful about hearing someone's interpretation of an artist's music. And I think words and writing can be very useful for that. They're, they definitely are. And also they add like context and yeah, flavour that you might never have unearthed. Like I feel like I, contrary to what I just said, I do love reading reviews because it's someone, especially the context that you get, which just adds a complete other dimension into what you're listening to, which you could have just skipped over and it makes the listening experience so much richer. So I did yeah. really like that Smurfs album as well. It's not something I usually listen to, this kind of pop classical R&B mm. sound, but it's like, it's what yeah. you said, Vivian. It's like that contrast between the grittiness, the celestial mm. voices. They're also, they're from Norway, I believe. Yeah. So they have like, they yeah, have a lot yeah, of yeah, themes of like Norwegian folklore, like they're inspired by the landscapes. And I mean, I haven't been to Norway, yeah, yes. but that looks, yeah. it looks dreamy. So you really, you really yeah, feel that yeah, when you listen yeah. to it. Massively. Maybe soon I will give him a patience It's like we hold on, testing the maintenance You think we're good, we just have each other Love is quite a work that I even bother So everyone should go and check out the Smurz record Believer um, I had a record to share with you guys as well and I don't know how to pronounce the artist's name because it's one of those all caps artist names so I'm just like Verba V-R-B-A I don't know um, but the record's called Willow Scythe it is released on TT which is the label formerly known as Tobago Tracks and that's the home to artists like Object Blue um, they previously released Organ Tapes Intentionally Cold Air Code basically I trust this label um, and <laughs> this record is really, really beautiful. So Verba or VRB, VBRA, let me just get it right in the first place. VBRA, <laughs> um, they're an artist from Pittsburgh in the US. And this record is just a beautiful nine tracks. Something I've really been enjoying putting into my mixes um, just because every single track has just huge amounts of atmosphere. I feel like there's like, because it sounds like almost collages of, of bits of sounds, like some things that you recognise and some things that are just a bit unsettling. I just feel like it's highly possible that there's a lot of like secret messages hidden throughout the album, which I love. And there was also a really cool video. One of the tracks, I think it was called Intuit, um, had this video made by Adrian Kessel um, and it's sort of like an avatar CGI mutation adventure um, so yeah I wanted to tell everyone all about VRBA Willow Scythe. I think um, you know I think I watched that video it has um does it have some kind of 3D elements in them it's quite fun to yeah. watch right? yeah yeah and also like beautiful colors and mm -hmm. really cool Thank you. 
Okay, so next I'm going to be asking you about an artist that you are buzzing about for this year. Um, Naishka, who is your artist? I've, um, you know, I've recently been hearing a lot of talent out of Mexico. Um, I've had some friends just kind of send me a bunch of names. And this this one um, one woman who really stands out. Her name is Sofia Acosta. Her artist name, again, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. It's Coast to Sea. It's all one word. Um, maybe Coast to Coast, but I think Coast to Sea. So um, she's originally from Mexico City, but I believe she lives in Portland, Oregon right now. So uh, she's a modular synthesist, and um, she just came out with her debut EP this um, this year in January, and it's very hard hitting stuff like acid drone experimental techno. It's very raw. It's very banging. This kind of hard sound, you know, it's it's not usually what I gravitate to, but there's something about her production. It just it feels very compelling, you know, like you can't stop listening to it. Um, I just I think I repeatedly listened to her EP like start to finish multiple times in a day it kind of um kind of reminds me of this one set that surgeon and lady starlight did back in the day um so it has that kind of intensity but then it's also there's also like these ambient elements that remind me of apex twin and they're both re- both of these styles are so different but mm. sophia somehow manages to you know like she manages to go from dramatic arcs and leaps to like really moody bass lines and she kind of brings out everyone's inner um, inner demons if that makes any sense because you're you're immediately reminded of like prim- primordial urges <laughs> just like i feel like you're reduced you're reduced <laughs> to your most basic self when you listen to her tracks <laughs> baseless self <laughs> well basic and baseless so there you go both both aspects um yeah and uh, she's also a coder which i find super cool right there's this really interesting connection between people who code and people who are on modular synthesis because i think if you're a coder mm. it, you approach the whole modular architecture in a very like metho- methodological calculated way I guess, I mean, I wouldn't know. I, I'm really bad with technical elements, but I think that's cool. I think that really helps her play around with the machines and maybe gives her an, gives people codos like her an advantage that a regular music, musician wouldn't have. Um, I think she's also, she's also involved in um, the upcoming film Sisters with Transistors, which mm-hmm. uh, is it's about women composers, you know, who have kind of pioneered electronic music machinery back in like the 50s, 60s when, you know, when it was very much a man's world. So I think she performed as part of an event for that. And it's just, you know, it's just so cool to see women playing around with such intimidating hardware. <laughs> so big ups to Sophia. Mm. And uh, yeah, her debut EP came out in January. Um, it's on, I'm going to butcher this name, Jestef Records, Kestef. <laughs> sounds very Dutch (laughs) (laughs) Mm, that absolutely sounds like a bit of me definitely going to be checking that out Thank you. 
Vivian, have you got a favourite artist? You sent me like five, literally five favourites. Yeah, do you know what? It was it was really it was really hard, but I think the one that I am most excited about is probably Voldy Moyo, who is this artist from Leicester, and he raps and produces. But I'm just drawn to him because there's like an undeniable authenticity, which I am super intrigued by because I think he's super young, but he seems to just go to the beat of his own drum. Like every track that he releases, it's something fresh, it's something new. It feels like, yeah, like, I was reading a review of on of his um, latest project on our Ray and like Emeka said it was like excerpts from you're just reading out excerpts from a journal and I was like that's definitely it and whether that they're, they're all it's all those tracks are about one minute or two minute long but they feel as like sonically they feel as like personal and like as intimate as like Tracy Emin or like a Nan Golden photograph like there's there's so much but it's just like this one thing you just look at it and you take it in and then that and then it's gone do you know what I mean and I think I'm just curious about him as an artist and yeah his project Liberty City I really loved it and again it in terms of genre he's just kind of like I'm just gonna do what I want and make what I like which I love and like my favorite tracks of that are like this one song called I'm Gone. And he's got a lot of cosigns from people in America, like Mike and Earl Sweatshirt and stuff. And like that's track I'm Gone is very, that sort of production, that warm hip hop sound, like Jay Diller type of sound. Um, but then you flip to like the, like the title track, Liberty City, which is, there's something like inherently UK and like relatable about the sound. And it's, he, kind of catches like an anger and a discontent present and an angst present in like indie music but it's not an indie song but then it does sound like someone like LA Timper would have made this track but he's so far removed from that world because then and that and these songs are super personal and intimate but then you flip onto the next record and it's like just like a like a bumping rap song that you just and it's like super super like braggadocious lyrics and you're like what you're just being really like delicate but he just it's like you can't pin him down he's sort of like I don't know. Yeah, a bit like a butterfly, and you kind of really want to catch it, but you kind of want to watch where it goes next. Um, so yeah, like, and because of how young he is, you feel like you're witnessing an artist learn themselves whilst you learn them mm. through them through the music, and I find that really exciting. Also, his YouTube channel is just kind of sick. So he'll just post like a random video and call it like unt- untitled painting of time, and it's like a thirty second or like a one minute clip of like just something from his everyday life and but then all of this is just alongside like several like self-produced DIY music videos and I just love the individuality and the I want to do this today so I'm going to do it because I feel like music and like releasing has become so considered and so heavily streamlined and it's sporadic and like chaotic in a positive way and in a way that I really appreciate and in a way that sort of feels like this is an artist who is just creating and sharing it with the world and doesn't consider anything else and I really love that about him so I'm excited about him. Mm. 
what a like proper insight into someone's development as an artist that's really cool and also so cool that he's he's kind of documenting that and isn't afraid I feel like sometimes artists can want to hold that side of it back and just publish something a bit slick but um that sounds really cool yeah it's because we're super everything feels super um brand heavy like you sort of like nowadays artists sort of like realize their brand and then like they just push that and and it does become a bit too considered you can almost predict the next move but here I'm just like well I didn't I just went onto YouTube and there's some 30 second clip of a woman on the street in Peckham giving like a butter sermon and like that's it I don't know why you posted that but thanks for sharing it do you know what I mean it's sort of like being back on Facebook and this or it's like musically his youtube is like a twitter and it's just like here's this and here's this and here's that and i'm like i don't know what you're talking about or why you said this but thanks for sharing because i enjoy it it's it's cool that he jumps (laughs) into different styles i feel like especially with with mcs right once they get comfortable with something whether it's grime or mumble rap they just ride it all the way Mm. but i like that this guy just clearly doesn't give a shit and he's just like he's wilding out definitely yeah I love that and I think it's probably a testament to a super like eclectic broad music taste and it's this it's this like youthful curiosity which is always super refreshing to to watch someone explore mm. in that kind of reminds me yeah. of when like Odd Future came out you know when Tyler first popped yeah. up on the scene my mind was blown like this guy kind of has similar yeah vibe. same <laughs> yeah yeah very that very that and it's but also like an elusivity of like Dean Blunt about him where I'm like, and it's almost like you could disappear tomorrow because you're like, cause you just, he honestly could just disappear tomorrow and be like, I'm not making mm. music anymore. And like, I I imagine there could be a day where I'd go on his YouTube and it would be completely gone. And that would be his decision. I would respect it so much because I was like, I just, you're just doing you. And I just love that. I so love much. it. Don't we all have some kind of desire to just yeah. change our name and run away? to Nicaragua <laughs> run away yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> yeah Nibby City mm-hmm. 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 I got no memory, I look for a few, I look for a few So true, so true, but I don't know if it's true Tryna get through to you So that's Voldy Moyo, one to, to watch yeah. By the way, we are going to put links to everything that we mentioned today in the description of the podcast in case anyone's concerned about how we're spelling things um including the artist that i wanted to share with you guys she's called c beats and it's with two a's as well as two e's um but yeah she is a 17 year old drill producer i just feel like the uk ladies are, are getting really comfortable and within drill and just like owning their space and obviously there's bigger acts like ivorian doll and juice menace who's over in cardiff yeah. and tizando's but there are some really exciting new names coming through, like floods of new names. Um, people like Remoney, um, someone called Baby Ls, Dis, Crystal were just a few people that I wanted to mention. But obviously on the producer side, there is usually fewer ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. 
that just means that I'm just even more excited about Sea Beats. So yeah, she's only 17, but she's already done some kind of soundtrack work for one of the big sportswear brands. And she makes her own sample packs, which I think is something that she seems to be kind of using to sort of network within the genre. And um, those sample packs are, are getting really hyped by other drill producers who have like more experience. But um, she is absolutely doing bits. Like she's already had a credit on the Digger D song Woy, which um, came out last summer wow. and it charted. I think it's like a silver selling record. Um, so she's already got a credit on that. Um, uh, she did the keys, I believe, um, and worked with M1 on the beat on the actual final instrumental. But yeah, just from what I've observed on her socials, she, she seems to be just in the process of really truly falling in love with her craft and she is so passionate about learning and kind of observing other producers at work and yeah it just warms my heart to see and I'm so excited for her plus the instrumentals are incredible and they absolutely bang so yeah Sea Beats is my one to look out for. All this young talent popping up damn yeah 17 year olds like what was I doing when I was 17 not any of us. (laughs) (laughs) I just I think I love that drill I feel like in a way that grime never could like girls now are being just like I have a place here and I'm claiming it and I'm gonna do it you know what I mean and like there's killing it so that's super exciting yeah it is a really exciting time just seeing how everyone's kind of innovating and building on what's already there is just so fun so big dripper magnum sipper no nail clipper free lugavels that ami smells i'm bitch no i won't cut my nails <laughs> Who's that, my man? Oi, Jump up, fry man. Oi, Why is he leaving his right hand? Oi, oi. Hey, come back and back your boy. Jump up, rise this toy. Oi, oi. Jump up, rise this toy. Oi, oi. Jump up. Who's that, my man? We're actually on to our final round already, which is crazy. Um, <laughs> but I asked you to share something else, um, and I kept it really broad so that you could bring to the table anything that you wanted. And it could be, you know, a collective that's making exciting moves, any kind of music tech development, a new party that's caught your eye, anything at all that kind of relates to music or music culture in some way so I'll jump in and go first I wanted to share the don't call it a comeback campaign um which I just saw online this week I think um which it it was published by don't be a creep and they are this kind of music and general nightlife arts initiative that demonstrates a zero tolerance policy to abuse or harassment of any kind and they say we don't call people out we call people in Um, So they're engaging absolutely everyone to get involved in this. Obviously, in the UK, this has been a hot topic. Um, But it's nice to see them sending out a really simple message. And their message is just a reminder to check yourselves and check your friends and others. Um, And they're basically launching this campaign now because music venues are hopefully reopening and it's exciting times ahead. 
but they just want to make sure that certain things aren't brought back into the clubs um and yeah they're doing a great job so big ups to ruby and maud who are behind it and they have created these sort of assets because as we know that seems to be a great way to to reach people online at the moment uh, and they're making it work for them um and they've worked with an artist in residence so i don't know if that means that they're going to have multiple artists in a turnover i don't know i'm excited to see more um but at the moment their artist in residence is jess ebsworth so yeah i actually i have a question about that martha so mm. when we when we talk about like well calling people out in the club or if there's some bad behavior is it is it on the responsibility of like employees at the club like security staff or anyone working there or is it you know just like everyday people like you and me if we're inside yeah i mean i think it's just a discussion that they have kind of kept going and kept right. alive. i know there's also an initiative called good night out which we have in the uk um and they actually do training courses for venues so that venues can actually brief their staff on how to handle if someone a member of the public reports harassment in mm -hmm. the club so they're really worth checking out too they're right. called good night out but yeah do you have anything like that where you are um i guess you haven't actually have you yeah. been out because you know what no i the whole time you've been there <laughs> no i i to be honest i don't know much about toronto nightlife um i only lived here during university and it was a whole different scene back then um but I, you know i will say i can talk about <laughs> singapore and malaysia there definitely needs to be initiatives like this because too many of the times the you know it falls on the responsibility of the dancers to like make a scene and then let's say if it's like a woman accusing a man of something or even just like a fight you know that just a fight that erupts a lot of the times the bouncers will or you know the security staff will just go um they won't try to really understand the situation their focus is just you know like conflict resolution um and they'll just end up kicking the entire group out when really i think yeah a lot of there needs to be a lot of training right for people to differentiate like yeah what is actually the root of this problem and how do we prevent this stuff from happening not really dealing with it but how do we just make sure it doesn't happen yeah, yeah. and a lot of that really lies with bouncers right because um the people who are allowed entry sometimes should not be allowed inside but that's a yeah. tough one, right? Because then that's a lot of money for clubs to yeah. spend on this. And usually the underground places are always broke. <laughs> so that's, it's always sad, yeah. right? The places who need it just don't have enough funds. Yeah, I'll be curious to see, you know, how much of this does get taken forward into clubs as things start to reopen. But I just think it's a good time for them mm -hmm. to be raising this conversation. Most definitely. Um, yeah. Vivian, what cool thing did you want to share with us? So I came across a tweet by DJ Efiolawa. Um, I think their name is Yuande, and they were talking about how they're starting a digital archive for like underground dance and experimental music. And they're basically just wanting to people to submit like favorite DJs, favorite artists, um, established, established or like newcomers and just like stories from like a sesh or like a funny videos from like a night out. And I think I just love this idea so much. And then, and they were urging people, especially like black people to do it. And I think it's so, so, so important because like, like, 
we need to be able to look back and see our faces in the history, right? That's how you know that it can be possible again and that, wait, there were people that did this and they did it so well. And I think right now, everyone is killing it. Like, particularly like black queer people are killing it. And I think that needs to be documented because that's how, you know, like, if you don't if you don't document the origins of that stuff, that's how history can so easily be like, just changed because the, no one really knows the roots, so they just write what they want the what the story to be. And I think the more we cement the work that we're doing now, the more it will benefit the future. So I think it's a wonderful idea. And they said to email at if you have any stories of anything or just like cool stuff. Um, they said to email dancemusicarchives at gmail.com so yeah i think it's a sick mm, idea i'm so excited to see how that builds up um builds up yeah, right i think it'll be so there have been so so many iconic moments have happened in like the past couple mm. of years and just to be able to go to one place and like look back at them wistfully even like not even just for a historical perspective just as like yo like I just completely forgot that this happened and this was nuts and I think it'd be so yeah inspiring and lovely so it's just an all-round fantastic idea. I wonder what kind of format it'll take like do you think it'll be kind of like a digital zine? Yeah I'm really, I'm really or just like a website in. with fun stories? Maybe, or, yeah a web or a website that can be yeah, just, just a web. Just, I, if it was like a website, just like just this like digital relic that was constantly updated forever, like perpetually updated, that would just be so sick. And it was just like stories of nights out. That would be so fun because you know that at like three a.m. the type of random stuff that you do after a party. I can see myself going on there and looking at other yeah. people's sessions. Like, it would, yeah. I hope people submit all different formats, like voice notes and flyers and everything. Yeah. Oh, voice notes, yeah. So good. Wicked. So dancemusicarchives at gmail.com if anyone listening wants to submit something for that. Um, and also, Ophelia was on yeah. the podcast a couple of weeks ago if anyone is curious about hearing more about their story. Um, Vanessa Maria interviewed them and it was a brilliant conversation. So definitely check that out too. Um, Naishka, what did you want to bring to show us? Oh, this dance music archive is giving me so much FOMO. I long, I long for those 3 a.m. chats. Um, no, honestly, same. Um, but no, I, um, some of my friends have launched this very cool initiative. It's, um, it's brought to you by the Observatory, which is one of my favorite clubs. It's in Ho Chi Minh City or Saigon, which is Vietnam's commercial hub. It's not the capital. I've made that mistake many times. It's um, kind of like the New York City of Vietnam. It's, it's you know, 10 years ago, it was such a different place. And now it's just full of art, culture, um, startups. The whole city has kind of exploded um, just in the past five years. And, you know, Vietnam has surprisingly been one of the countries that's handled the pandemic really well. And so as a result, this club, the observatory, they've mostly stayed open for the past 11 months, which is wow. you know, amazing when you think about what the rest of the world has That's been nice. up to. But this is such a great club, guys. Like I went there alone and I left with close friends, people I still talk to today. You know, it's, wow. it's a type of place where you go and the beauty of this club is like, yes, they have the great sound system, they have great DJs, but it's really the crowd. It's the type of people who go there. 
they're so friendly, so welcoming. It's just, you never have to worry about who's next to you because you're always in good company. Um, and they've moved locations a bunch of times, mm-hmm. so I can't even keep track which building they're in. But, um, you know, this club recently launched um, a new journalism platform on its website. So essentially, they're trying to situate, you know, club culture amidst Vietnam's kind of social cultural developments. And so, you know, they've been a hub of Vietnam's creative scene for like seven, eight years. Um, So they're in a really good position to kind of analyze broader creative um, communities, right? In, in, In Saigon, especially. There's already, they already have a couple of articles up on their site. One of which is is just like a crazy kind of academic study. It takes an in-depth look at like the infrastructure and financial systems of Vietnam's artists, whether it's like visual art or, you know, whether it's musicians. It's written by um, the club's secondhand man, Daniel Thomas, who is currently stuck in Cyprus, but I know he's itching to get back to Saigon. It's, this is such an interesting approach because Vietnam is one of those countries where like dance music has just exploded right over the past five, six years. And you have new kind of newish clubs popping up like um, um, all these smaller like lounges. There's a great after hours scene. Um, Hanoi, which is like a smaller city in the north, they also have their, um, their own scene going on. So there's a lot to discuss when it comes to like the growth of you know, or the organic growth of subcultures and kind of dismantling stereotypes around partying, right? Because like, I think EDM and, you know, like yeah. local high-paced dance music has always been around in Vietnam. But like when it comes to, you know, experiencing international artists coming to play and just having more experimental sounds, it's it's still kind of a new thing for the younger kids over there. And they're so thirsty for it, right? So. When you have such high growth, like there also is a high potential for, you know, excessive, for excess, for indulgence. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. what this journalism platform, what the observatory is trying to do is just really not only like educate people, but really kind of connect the dots between all of the d- different crews, um, whether it's like, um, you know, the, the queer scene, um, drag performers, um, filmmakers, you know, I think the club has always kind of wanted to be like a reference point for all of these players in, in the city. And now, even though they're open, I like that they're still trying to go to be more than a club, essentially. They kind of just want to be a meeting point for all of these different people. And hopefully when travel, you know, is an option again, hopefully you guys get to go check it out because it's it's a really special place. Let's go. Let's yeah. <laughs> There was a really cool feature on the site about, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like artists sharing memories of music over the past year. And they had all these contributors sharing just like really, really different little phrases and and songs, which I thought was really beautiful. And that definitely was a a kind of signal of like their kind of community Mm -hmm. outlook to me. Yeah. Yeah, I read that. I read that post too, and I remember telling Daniel Thomas, the guy who is kind of the editor of this um, editorial section, mm-hmm. I was like, "Wow, all these posts are so optimistic, and like they're so yeah. happy." I think if they had asked me, I would have submitted like mm. depressive, you know, like sad song that just made me miss <laughs> the club. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. Thank you so much, Naishka and Vivian, for your selections. Pleasure. 
Thank you, Martha. And thank you everyone for listening. I hope that we've given you some interesting tip-offs to kind of go explore and keep yourself engaged and entertained. And I will have a new episode of RA's Exchange for you next week. Until then, our full archive is available for you to take in. And if you find something you love, please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts as it helps get our stories to more ears.